Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. If you had the chance to listen to Monday's episode, you know already that this week is National Unmarried and Single Americans Week. So this episode is a bonus episode to continue the festivities of a week devoted to the single life. To celebrate with me, I've invited Leslie Kaz of Single Girl Bliss and Debbie Rice of Single and Amazing. When you're single for a decent amount of your adult life, like I was, it can sometimes be a struggle to find your girls, to find your people who are in that same single season. This episode is for all of us, but especially for those of you who feel a bit alienated because your friends maybe are partnered up right now or married with kids and you are not. This episode is so for you. Leslie, Debbie, and I are going to talk about the top five things single women hate to hear. Here's just a little bit more about Debbie and Leslie. Debbie Rice is a singles enthusiast, lifestyle blogger, workshop presenter, confidence coach, t-shirt developer, educator, dog lover, and all-around bold lover of life. She lives successfully single and through life's transitions, discovered her purpose, encouraging single people to abandon the idea of postponing their happiness and begin igniting the adventure, joy, and power of the amazing single life through her empowerment group and lifestyle brand, Single and Amazing. Leslie Kaz is a confirmed single girl dedicated to helping other single women find their bliss. After 21 years of dating, relationshiping, breakups, and periods of feeling miserably alone, Leslie decided to take control of her life and find happiness on her own. She is the author of the book, Single Girl Bliss, How to Stop Feeling Alone and Start Feeling Alive, written specifically for single women who are struggling with living a happy life on their own. Leslie is also a certified life coach and speaker who has helped numerous single women transform their lives. Leslie lives in Colorado with her two cats, Flop and Murphy. Some girl talk with your single besties right after this. Let's connect on social. I'm most active on Instagram, where I post original quotes, infographics and i tackle trending topics in my love smarter not harder igtvs on insta you can find me at dr karen dr.k-a-r-i-n i'm also on facebook at dr karen anderson april and on twitter at dr karen anderson happy unmarried and single americans week ladies same to you, Karen. <laughs> Woohoo! 
Yeah, exactly. Today on the program, I am welcoming Debbie Rice of Single and Amazing and Leslie Kaz of Single Girl Bliss. You remember Leslie from episode 83 of the podcast where we talked about her book and how to be blissfully single, getting off the endless search for a man and embracing and relishing your single girl blissful life. So Leslie's back and Debbie is new to the program. I'm so excited to talk about all things single and amazing and fabulous and to celebrate with like-minded ladies this very extra special week that we have going on right now. So excited to be here, Karen. I agree. Thanks so much for having me back. Yes, absolutely. So we thought about what we wanted to share. And of course, this is a passion point for us. It's basically our raison d'etre. All of our platforms involve empowering and encouraging single women in particular, because we're women, but also single men out there. There's a ton of single shaming. We have heard it all. We've experienced it all. And we are not okay with it. And we want to embolden and encourage one another to deal with the single shaming that is rampant, unfortunately, and to just kind of provide a little framework for our conversation. Years ago, I was part of this service that when a journalist or a writer was looking for a source, and this woman was a single woman, and she was writing about dating relationships, single issues. And she wanted me to talk about the things that single women hear and the things that single women hear that really bother them <laughs> because they're very disparaging and disempowering and, and discouraging. And we came up with this, these five things single women hate to hear. Now, this is before I'd written my book even, and I was still single myself. And I haven't even shared this story in the podcast, but it's kind of funny because this was before things actually went viral, but it got a little bit of momentum such that I was teaching grad school at the time. And the article posted, and then it got picked up by some other sites. So it was posted originally with this site called Your Tango. And then it got picked up by Glamour and and like Yahoo. So it was a, a little bit bigger than I was ever used to having my name mentioned. And it got to the hands of some morning DJs in Chicago. And I used to teach night classes. I was teaching the grad program at Concordia University, Chicago. And I show up for my night class. And some of my students are like, Dr. Anderson, they were talking about you on the radio this morning. I was like, what? <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, what? who, why, huh? And they're like, you apparently talked about this article, five things single women hate to hear. And they're like, yeah, the DJs were really mean. I was like, what? And oh, <laughs> I, no. you guys will appreciate this. So, you know, shock jock, morning DJs, they just mm. want to, yeah, right? So they were like, this lady says that it's okay to be single and there's nothing wrong with you if you're single. And they're like, she's probably super ugly, has 25 cats. And I guess one of my students called in. <laughs> this is awesome. The student calls in. She's like, Dr. Anderson is super cute. She does have cats, but they she's not a crazy cat lady. And she wears really adorable outfits whenever she teaches our classes. So there. <laughs> and I was like, thank oh. you. Yeah, well, thanks for, for having my back. Right? They stood up for you. Exactly. Right? <laughs> so that's a long and involved backstory, but I just thought that would be kind of fun to kick off National Unmarried and Single Americans Week. And let's talk about each of these five things that I know I hated to hear when I was single and I know you hate to hear and then riff on any others that come to mind as we go through these. Does that sound all right? Sounds Sounds good to me. Okay, so here's one of the things I heard a lot and I'm sure you have as well. Well, 
you're probably single because you're not trying hard enough. Trying hard enough as if it's a workout, like (laughs) going to the gym. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Trying hard enough for what? Right. I think that kind of assumes that being single is some sort of problem that needs to be solved. Mm -hmm. And you're not trying hard enough to solve this problem. And that if you were trying harder, whatever that might mean, because yeah, exactly what is it that you're supposed to be doing? How is it that you're supposed to be trying harder? But that if you were doing it, then you would be able to solve this problem and it's all your fault that you have this problem and that it's yeah. not being solved. And so I think that's that's how single people take it when somebody says that to them, is that A, it's a problem, B, it needs to be solved, and C, you're not doing the things that you should be doing to solve this problem, and that's all your fault, and that's why you're in this terrible situation. So right. I think that's just, you know, yeah. that's that's really negative. Just the fact that, it's being presented as a problem that needs to be worked out or fixed is a problem in and of itself. And so it's very offensive when people say you're not trying hard enough because it's almost like blaming the victim. They're Mm -hmm. looking at you as a victim. They're blaming the victim for a position that you're in. And I like to tell people, when they say that ever-present, why are you still single? (laughs) I was born this way. (laughs) (laughs) Cue Lady Gaga. (laughs) I was cue Lady Gaga. I was born this way. And I'm, I'm perfect the way I am. Oh, I love that. And I love that we're really establishing, first and foremost in this conversation, that these comments that women hear The subtext is always, you are single and that is a problem, as you ladies have just stated. And that in and of itself, as Debbie just said, is the problem, which is where the shame, the single shaming, or what Dr. Bella DiPaolo calls singleism, one of these other isms in our culture. Mm -hmm. And it's so absurd to me, and I know we could go in so many different directions with this, but what kills me is that... It's like you're single and that's so horrific. And I'm thinking, how much more empowered of a choice is it to remain single if that's your path at this moment in this season of your life than to settle and to be in some mediocre relationship? But no one sees it that way. They see it as like marriage equals normal, single equals abnormal. Marriage is good even if it's a joke of a marriage and everyone's miserable, (laughs) right? Right. Single is bad even though we're happy. So we really are. Absolutely. It's almost as if any piece of relationship, any piece of marriage is better than what we have as single women. And I always say, I want people to envy the life I have Mm. because it truly is single and amazing. And so the foundation of living single and amazing is maintaining strong confidence and not settling for any old thing. Mm, Absolutely. Mm -hmm, I agree. And I actually, I talk about how I help my clients achieve an enviable life Mm -hmm. because I think single people in general and single women 
tend to spend a lot of time envying couples, mm. right? We envy mm-hmm. what married women have. We envy, you know, what couples have. And we look at all of the things that we don't have. But on the flip side, they're envying us <laughs> about certain things as well, Absolutely. Especially, especially if they're not in a good relationship, you know, then they're envying what we have. And so I always put out there that you want to, you know, live up your single life as much as possible, um, own those things that couples are envying you for and make them the best Absolutely. that you possibly can, because there are so many things. And while we're busy envying everyone else, we're not recognizing all of these amazing things about being single and not living them to our fullest. So I have embraced that. Clearly, Debbie has embraced that. And we want all other single women to embrace that as well. I think also people are set up in their mind. They have this set up in their mind that once they get in a relationship or once they get married, everything is just going to magically be so wonderful. Mm -hmm. And then they get in it and they realize it takes work and it's not this magical thing that they've been led to believe all of these years. And it's funny because I have an online follower who recently got married. And prior to that, she just talks so glowingly about marriage and she's been married a month and she's already complaining about cooking. She's already (laughs) complaining about her husband (laughs) watching football and she's been married a month. And so when you talk about the enviable life, I believe we have it and we live it every day. You're right. I think that people tend to think that once they find that person, once they get married, once they get into this relationship, everything's going to be great. And what we fail to realize is that when you get into a relationship, no matter how great it is, that other person and their actions affect your life. Yes. You don't have control over that person and what they do and what they say. And those things affect your life. Now, sometimes that's a good thing, or it's at least not a bad thing. But when you're on your own, you have 100% control over how your life is. You're not concerned with another person affecting it in any way. Now, of course, there's not another person affecting your life positively, but there's not another person affecting it negatively in any way. And you can affect yourself and your life as positively as you possibly can. And I mean, Debbie's example just makes me so sad. Too often women still think, oh, when? And in my book, I talk about living in the whens. When I get my boyfriend, when I get engaged, when I get married, when I have the kids. And putting off living a fabulous life now, waiting for this other factor, whether it's a person or a relationship status, it's somehow going to make them make them happy. Debbie's example is just exactly what we've been talking about here. That then, wait, I got the thing and I'm still not happy. Because no one or no thing will make you happy. Exactly. And you know what? I love when you talk in your book about not being a lady in waiting because it's putting 
one's life on pause. When you're yes. waiting, mm -hmm. you're not living, you're not experiencing, you're not growing. You're waiting for that other thing to affect your life instead of, as Leslie said, making the life that you want on your own. Mm -hmm. And it's a crazy concept, but it's so widely accepted in society that this is what is expected of women. Yep. And it's really a horrible burden to place onto a relationship. Mm -hmm. Once you get to that relationship, yes. mm -hmm. like this young woman that you're talking about, or maybe she's not a young woman. People do this at any age. <laughs> but yeah, so then she's looking to her husband like, wait, where's my magical marriage that I was supposed to have? You're watching exactly. football. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, mm -hmm. He's like, I always watch football. I didn't bait and switch. I've been watching football. I'm going to continue to watch football. How is that ruining your life? Me watching right. football. <laughs> but she had that fantasy right. that's built up by society and it's built up by our families and our upbringing and those who have been brought up in religious circles. It's set up as this destination that one is supposed to arrive at. And when you get there, it's like, oh, this is it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. You know, we build it up in our minds as this big fantasy, you know, castle in the sky kind of thing. And I actually talk about it in my book as well. I call them awful, untrue, mm -hmm. limiting thoughts. Mm -hmm. And awful, untrue, yes. limiting thought number nine in my book is life begins when my relationship begins. Yeah. And, you know, so many people put mm -hmm. their lives on hold until they find that relationship. And then they think it's all just going to magically come together. But the thing is, you have to create, you still, even when you're in a relationship, you have to create that life, you know, and maybe you're creating it yes, with the other person, absolutely. but you still have to create that happy life. And you better know how to do that. And you better have been doing that on your own so that you know exactly what that is mm -hmm. and what you want. As opposed to saying, oh, I'm just not going to have a life. I'm not going to create a life. I'm not going to define what I want. Then I'm going to get in my relationship and I'm ex going to expect it just to happen. Or worse, I'm going to expect my husband to provide that for me. Mm -hmm. Well, what exactly is mm -hmm. he going to provide for you? That's placing a lot of responsibility onto the other person. And that's that's not yep. their responsibility. And now you're, you've already, you know, you're putting that stress and strain on the relationship before it's even begun. Exactly. And it's not loving and it's not empowered. Mm -mm. It's the opposite of both. I call that doing the work on the front end. If mm -hmm. you do your work, your emotional work on the front end, before you even meet someone, you're not going into the relationship expecting them to meet all of those needs because mm -hmm. your emotional needs are already met by loving yourself. Mm -hmm. And so when we do that emotional work on the front end, you come in as an equal. He did his work, I did my work, and we can come in it as two partners instead of expecting the other person to meet your emotional needs in a way that they're not responsible for. Or not able to do, you know, we, <laughs> I mean, women, you know, women think that men, we think they're just like we are, you know, because our girlfriends are very mm -hmm. capable of meeting <laughs> our emotional needs on a friendship level, right? Women are good at that in general. Mm -hmm. 
men, not as much in general, you know, I'm sure there are some men out there who are very good at it, but as a whole, you know, not, they're not as good at that type of thing as women are. So yeah, we're expecting that this person is even going to be able to do that. And a lot of times they aren't, they're just, they're, that's not, you know, how their mind works. And I love that doing the work on the front end, as you put it, Debbie, because in marital therapy, and I've talked about this on the podcast before, but it bears repeating, in marital therapy, we talk about water seeking its own level. Mm-hmm. So if I feel like I keep attracting all these emotionally unavailable guys, or I keep attracting all these losers, or whatever the case may be, a marital therapist will be like, okay, so you're providing a level of your own emotional health and well-being and psychological maturity. And that's what you're putting out there. So you're attracting Mm -hmm. the same. Absolutely. And so if we want to do some work on the front end, we level ourselves up and then we're going to attract a higher quality Mm -hmm. partner. So all these single years that maybe sometimes people feel like I'm spinning my wheels, I'm not where I want to be in life. (laughs) You're doing the work on the front end. It will pay off in spades when you have that relationship, if that is your goal, which we will not assume that's everyone's goal because Leslie's goal is not to find (laughs) a man, to finally complete her. (laughs) And neither is mine. And neither is Debbie's. (laughs) I often tell people, you know, who tell me, I don't want to be happy single. I just want to find someone. Okay. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, okay. Maybe your ultimate goal is not to be single and and that's completely understandable if your ultimate goal is to find a relationship. But when you're coming from a place of desperation, when you're coming from a place of not loving Mm -hmm. yourself, when you're coming from a place of not having your own shit together, so to speak, what Mm -hmm. type of person Mm -hmm. are you going to attract? So the best thing that you can do to get ready essentially for a future partner is to make yourself and your life as good as you possibly can. Now, I'm not talking about fixing yourself so that you'll be able to date better or so so that you'll, you know, look better to a man or whatever. I'm not talking about that, but I'm talking about getting yourself and your mind into the best place possible because when you love yourself, when you are in that healthy relationship with yourself and you've created this great life, you're going to attract a person who's on that same level. And that's the person that you want to attract, you know, not some guy, you know, like you said, Dr. Karen, not some guy where, you know, he's completely emotionally unavailable because of whatever it is that you're putting out there. That's Mm -hmm. not who you want to attract. You want to attract someone healthy and positive and who's going to be good for you. And the way you're going to do that is by getting your stuff together on your own. Becoming the best version of yourself, the Mm -hmm. best version, whether it's Debbie 2.0, Debbie 3.0, Debbie (laughs) 5.0, we date at the level of our self-esteem. So if our self-esteem is dragging the ground, you're going to get some low life person. You're going (laughs) to attract some low life person. You know, and if your self-esteem is midway, you're going to get some average person. Mm -hmm. But when we build ourselves up to our best level and and the best version of ourselves, we then attract the best of what's out there. Mm -hmm. So true. I'm over here clapping, snapping, (laughs) dancing. (laughs) Let's move into the second thing that single women hate to hear. And this one, I called it wear more makeup. 
Now that's because I don't wear a ton of makeup normally, like when I'm going out fancy. Yeah. But on the, on the regular, I don't. So that's probably the thing I heard was like, well, maybe put a little color in your cheeks or (laughs) things like that. (laughs) But it could be anything basically saying that your physical appearance isn't okay. And that's why you're still single. And my point was that your physical representation, what you bring to the world for some women, they're they're crunchy granola and they should mm-hmm. do that. And there's a hippie dude out there who likes a natural looking woman. And then there's guys who like glam and women who like to glam up on the regular. And that's great, too. I just feel like it's very disingenuous for someone to and they would do it for the right reasons. Right. They'd be like, well, everyone told me this is why I'm single. I better do this and that and the other or wear this kind of clothes or put on high heels when I really want to wear running shoes. And so they would try these strategies and it would be phony, essentially. And how long can we keep up some charade mm-hmm. of who we are just because we've been told by all those other self-help books, not Leslie's and mine, obviously, but those other <laughs> self-help books that we need to do these five things. And that includes putting on what? Well, where's the makeup and, and twirl your hair when you talk to him and flirt. I mean, stuff like that. It's like, come on. Like, really? You know, my mom always said, Every actor has to lay down his script at some point. <laughs> there you go. And when you do these things and they're not genuine, they're not authentic, you're going to have to lay it down eventually. So if you're talking about being in a long-term relationship, he's going to see you without the makeup. He's going to see you without the heels. You can't wear those things 24-7. So there's somebody out there that, is going to like the plain Jane. That's going to like the fluffy woman. I I have a friend, a male friend who loves fluffy, curvy women. He would (laughs) never look at a thin woman. That's what he likes. So there's someone out there who will like your genuine self. So to ask a woman to change who she is at her core that is um, very offensive, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is offensive, and I and I also think if you're if you're putting something artificial, you know, out there into the world, are you going to do that forever? Because if that's what the guy is attracted <laughs> right. to, you know, you're wearing these five inch heels and these tight skirts and these whatever, but that's not who you are, and you've got your face all painted up, and that's not who you are. Eventually, you're going to go back to who you really are. But who he was attracted to was who Mm -hmm. you were pretending to be. Yes. So unless you're planning on pretending to be that (laughs) for the rest of your life, (laughs) it's much better to put out there who you really are. Because like you said, Karen, um, there's going to be someone who's attracted to every different type. So there's going to be someone out there who's going to pick up what you're putting down, you know? (laughs) Right. I mean, that's what I hated. Again, going back to some of these other books out there, usually written by women telling women what men think. I'm like, okay, Mm -hmm. first off, you're a woman. So why are you telling me what men think? But okay. And also second point I don't like, all men do not think alike. Hello, we are individuals. And I mean, yes, I look to the psych research to find out generalities and trends and tendencies that most most of the time are true about marriage or about relationships or whatever. But to say, this is what guys want. Mm-hmm. Let's just stop. Mm-hmm. Well, I, that may be that man, but I don't want that man either. So whatever he wants, <laughs> it ain't me and I don't want him. So good. Right. <laughs> it, yeah. And these are these formulaic pat answers, cliched responses that single women hear all the time. 
And it's just, it's annoying and it's frustrating. And that's why we're here to combat them. Yeah. Blow by blow. <laughs> we'll and you know what down. else? When you put on more makeup or you lose weight for a man or wear the heels, eventually it's going to eat at who you really are and mm-hmm. resentment mm-hmm. can form. And then what do you do with that resentment in a relationship? You don't want to resent your partner because they're kind of requiring this or not seeing you for who you really are. Eventually, I believe that resentment will rise in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say, Debbie, resentment to your partner maybe initially, and then you start resenting yourself. Yourself, yeah, probably resenting yourself. betraying yourself, Mm -hmm. essentially. You know, there's something I've been hearing recently. I, I've heard several times recently telling women to either not lead with or kind of suppress their masculine energy when they first meet, meet a man. Mm-hmm. And I have a real problem with that. And it's probably because I have a lot of masculine energy. But <laughs> if who you are is masculine energy... And you don't put that out there. I mean, eventually that's going to come out there. You know, eventually that's Mm -hmm. going to come out. And the fact that you are, you know, a woman with a lot of masculine energy, that's going to be there. You're not going to be able to suppress that forever. So kind of just like, you know, are you willing to wear the five inch heels and, and pack your face with makeup forever if that's not who you are? Are you willing to pretend not to have this masculine energy, you know, for the rest of the relationship or defer to his masculine energy, that's probably not going to happen. You know, that's, that's naturally who you are and that's under the surface. So I do not believe in not leading with your masculine energy. I think if masculine energy is what you have, then you put it out there because you're looking for someone who either equals or surpasses that masculine energy or someone who doesn't and someone who has a lot of feminine energy that complements that. Either way, you want to make sure you're putting out there exactly who you are and being exactly who you are, because that's how you're going to find your proper fit, if that's what you're looking for. And I think about even the term masculine energy. What does that mean? Yes. What, that, that you're opinionated, that you speak your mind, that you're direct? Yeah, strength, I guess. And so I think can't women have that too? Does that have to be really at the same time? So it kind of gets me to my next point is the idea that women, you better just tone it down a notch, Mm -hmm. right? And I heard that sometimes you probably intimidate men with your PhD and your opinions. And what? If I intimidate him to Leslie's point, then he's not the right guy for me. And I shouldn't be asked to water down Karen so that I'm somehow palatable for this guy. And so, yeah, I mean, so again, that masculine, I I get a lot of that too, Leslie, with my community. And I kind of, I don't know how to really interpret that because I think, what does it mean that you're masculine just because you have a thought and you express it? (laughs) What are we talking about here? Or or even, I get that all the time, tone it down. You need to tone it down. I'm a very opinionated person. I believe that, Um, there's a reason why I'm opinionated. And so, like you said, Dr. Karen, are you equating masculine energy with being a leader? Mm -hmm. 
Mm. Are you equating masculine energy with getting out there and having strong confidence? If so, they're not the same. And so I can't tone it down and not only can't tone it down, I won't tone it down Mm -hmm. because I believe that I have something valuable to say and, and something valuable to lend to the world and to give to the world. And so if you're requiring me to tone it down, then you're definitely not the person for me. I don't even think I could be friends with you. (laughs) <laughs> right much less romantic partners right, right, right. Yeah. because you need to be able to be who you are and so anytime I hear somebody say you need to do this or you need to do this or you need to do this no not if that's not who you are you know you need to be who you are so that if you're looking for someone you will find that person who appreciates who you are it just it baffles me. I do talk about that in my book as well. And I almost didn't include it, but it was because of this reporter. I said, yeah, I'm going to write a book about this. Just there's no one at that time. No one was speaking to this. Finally, you guys showed up. And, <laughs> and so we're talking about this now. But for a long time, there really wasn't this discourse was not available. And I said, well, here's the ones I'm thinking about doing. She's like, you got to put in a chapter about tone it down a notch. You have to because she was experiencing the same thing. And mm-hmm. here she was a journalist and a go getter and out there you get pounding the pavement and getting the story. And that was just too much. And people looked at her and said, Oh, you just better tone it down. I thought, Oh my gosh, I didn't want to put it in the book because I didn't think it was a thing. I was like, really? We're in the new millennium. (laughs) Oh, it's a big thing. It's been a thing for me, my, my whole dating life. And I have heard that my whole dating life in, in different words, you know, not necessarily tone it down, but in other ways as well. Yeah. So basically, people are telling you to not be yourself, right? You know, right. and yet all you ever hear when you go on a first date, just be yourself. <laughs> okay, well, here's some mm-hmm. conflicting advice here: just be yourself, but don't be yourself, <laughs> right? <laughs> you exactly. Know? Yeah. So the next thing that single women hate to hear is the pat answer of. You just got to get back out there. Oh, my goodness. First of all, where is there? Yeah, where is there? Where is is there? (laughs) (laughs) Like, there are people who kind of hold up in the house and don't do anything. But to say you got to get back out there, where is there? We definitely... Get out and live your big, bold life and do the things that you're interested in. And maybe somebody who's interested in those same things is going to be out there. I always tell people, (laughs) you know, if you're interested in social justice or politics, go and volunteer for somebody's campaign or something. Maybe you'll find someone who is interested in those same things. But to say get back out there, it again gives us this idea that there's a destination. Destination, that pool yeah. of, of, of fish that everybody talks about, the fish in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it's very elusive. Yeah, where is this magical land of out there? <laughs> land of out somehow there. my GPS yeah, my, cannot find it. <laughs> my GPS is broken for there. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, you know, mine must be, yeah, I don't think I have that GPS because <laughs> I don't believe in an out there. I think you live your mm-hmm. life, just like you said, Debbie, I think you live your life. I think you do the things that you enjoy doing. You try the new things that you want to try. You create your best life for yourself. And in doing that, you will be, quote unquote, out there. And that is where you are most likely to cross paths with, you know, somebody else who's out there <laughs> and is fitting in with your same out there. So, yeah, I don't I don't really believe in an out there. I think you live your life and you, you know, you live it as happily as you possibly can, because nowadays I think out there, quote unquote, out there means online. I think that's really what it means now Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. is being online. Mm -hmm. If you're, you know, putting yourself out there is online dating. And we all know how Mm -hmm. royally well that goes. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, certainly it has worked for some people. There tends to be way more disaster stories than there does stories of success. So if out there is online dating, I feel sorry for people who want to be out there because (laughs) you're heading into a a minefield. (laughs) And so maybe you should change your view of out there to be just, you know, living my life and doing all those big, bold things. Yeah, I think also out there can be interpreted in 2020 as the bar scene and and that kind of environment. And just like online dating, how's that how's that work for people? Mm-hmm. It doesn't often work for the type of person that you're looking to build a life with. So first and foremost, we need to define there. And there is the place that makes you happy, the place that you feel most alive. And like you said, Leslie, in that place, you're going to find like-minded people. Mm -hmm. Right. Either for friendship or for potentially, you know, a relationship. Right. It just smacks of, again, another pat answer because our brains are designed to make meaning and to make sense. They're very efficient. We see stimuli in our environment and it doesn't make sense. We actually project some sort of meaning. We try to make sense of things that are ambiguous and confusing, such as a fabulous woman who is still single, (laughs) quote unquote, still Mm -hmm. after some supposed time that she should now be partnered up. So people then come up with these explanations. Well, she must be blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah, blah, everything we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. And she's not getting back out there. See, now I figured it out. Mm -hmm. I'm a genius. (laughs) I'll tell her to get back out there and it'll problem solved. (laughs) Yeah, people love to solve problems. Yes. And of course, singleness is a problem. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. They see it as, as such. And so they try to solve the problem with this deliciously pat answer of getting back out there. And the fifth thing that single women hate to hear is the proverbial. Mm-hmm. And I know you've heard it, ladies. Oh, yeah. Maybe you're too picky. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I was not picky enough, I I will tell you. (laughs) 
I wish I would have been pickier because I look back on some of the relationships I had or some of the people I dated and I go, oh my God, what were you doing? (laughs) So I don't think, right. I don't think there is such a thing as too picky. I think you decide what it is that you're looking for. And if somebody doesn't meet your standards, then you move on. (laughs) You know, there is no such thing as too picky. Plus, If you're talking about, if you are seriously talking about spending the rest of your life with someone, you can't be picky enough. Picky enough. I agree. You know, you can't be picky enough. This is the person you are going to spend every day of the rest of your life with. You can't be too picky. It's impossible. I completely agree with you. I know I've had family members say to me about exes in my life. Who were you back then? Mm-hmm. And it's so true. I wasn't like you, Leslie. I wasn't picky enough. And so going forward, even though I don't need a relationship at this point in my life, if someone was to come along, pick, 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 pick. Mm-hmm. I feel sorry for that person. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I always yeah. think. I think if somebody were Absolutely. to actually come along at this point, I feel sorry for him. (laughs) (laughs) No, because he would just love every bit about you and he would love your high standards and he would want to rise to meet them if he wasn't already there, which he would be, of course, or else you wouldn't entertain this conversation. But yeah, (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. He would would have high standards himself and you guys would love that about it'd be like iron sharpening iron. That's Mm -hmm. the thing. You Mm -hmm. have two high functioning, highly happy on their own people walking hand in hand. That's the goal. Hashtag goals. If it's not that, no one wants it. No yeah. one should want it. If yeah. it's not that, no one should want it. And I'm frustrated for the ladies who I'm interacting with because I know that what has happened is when one person lowers their standard, it, allow, it allows everyone mm-hmm. to then behave less maturely. Mm-hmm. So we've got these women who are in, are in relationships with boys, not according to their physical age, but their emotional age, yes. And it's because some other woman has put up with their immature behavior, which has allowed it to be reinforced. Now I'm making mm-hmm. global statements here, but I feel that if when all of us collectively say, I'm going to be the best version of myself and I'm going to expect, and you guys have even talked about it, not just with romantic relationships, but even like, I couldn't be friends with someone friends. who, who had these kinds of notions about ways of doing life. We have to elevate our standards and our approach and our expectations to life in general. And then watch, like I said earlier, watch our world change because we're going to attract more of the same and the dead weight of people who want to be victims, who want to be miserable, who want to cry and blame and point the finger at everyone. Those people are just going to fall away from us and fall off. Yeah. They're going to fall off and the rest of us are just going to have a great time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. (laughs) absolutely. I I think a lot of times um, women are so grateful to be chosen. You know, and I was one Mm. of these for many, many, many years. I was so grateful just to be chosen by someone instead of being choosy. Yeah. And we should be the ones Mm -hmm. being choosy. And not that men shouldn't be choosy too, because they should, but don't be so grateful to be chosen that you're not being choosy. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a post. Are you using that as a post this week? I think I'm going to. Okay. <laughs> I think yeah, you you definitely should. I'm going to write it down and I'll email it to you to so make sure you have it. Yeah, <laughs> Thank absolutely. You. I, I agree that. with you, Leslie. Be waiting around again. We go back to this whole notion of waiting. 
waiting to be chosen is such a passive position to yeah. be in. You know, you, again, you're handing your power over to somebody who is out there somewhere in the universe and may never cross your path. And so you're absolutely right. I'm the chooser. I'm the choosy one. And I'm not going to come down off of that standard of being choosy. Because Mm -hmm. like you said, Dr. Karen, this is my life and for the rest of my life. And so I want the best that's out there for me because I'm bringing my gay game. You guys know one of my hashtags I use all the time in love for sure is never, ever settle. But I mean that in life as well. What are we, like you said, what are we doing here? Are we, are we shooting for mediocre? Like, woohoo, I'm just yeah. going to phone it in, <laughs> in my career, in my friendships, in my love life. I'm just phoning it in, shooting for C plus, C plus, mm-hmm. B minus maybe. No, we're shooting for A plus. Yeah. And, and so when we do that, we will, like I was saying earlier, we will attract to us more of the same and we'll thrive. I love the term thrive Thrive. because I'm not, I'm not just trying to survive. I'm thriving here. Right. I mean, that's what we're about. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And thriving does not include waiting around to be chosen by by whomever decides to choose you. No, it does not. It absolutely does not. I think a lot of times women think that there aren't a whole lot of good men out there. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, I have my own personal opinions on that <laughs> subject, but women think that there are not a whole lot of good men out there. And so the one that they have who's mediocre, you know, the one that's a C plus or whatever, this mm-hmm. is as good as it's going to get. And so I should just settle for this guy. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's not true. You know, you don't want a C or a C plus or C my, you know, whatever relationship. You are going for A plus, like you said, Dr. Karen. And so don't settle for that person who's a C or a C plus. Keep looking for the A plus. And in the meantime, be living your own A plus life. Yes. And that way you're guaranteed Absolutely. that you have that A plus. You're either going to have that A plus on your own or you're going to end up finding that A plus. But don't settle for that C plus. And to your other point, Karen, the more people settle for that, the more women who settle, the more it's telling men, this is all you have to do. Just be a C plus, just be a C plus, and plenty of women will be falling at your feet. They'll take it. Yeah, they'll take it. Yeah, they'll take it. They'll accept it. They, you know. Right. They're just waiting around to be Mm -hmm. chosen. They're waiting around to get married. They want to get married so badly that they'll accept your C plusness. You know? Right. We need to stop accepting that. If we want (laughs) not, if we want men to be A pluses, then we need to stop accepting C plus. So we have to stop for our own lives and also for our sisters, right? We have it's it's a collective thing here, is what I was trying to get at. So thank you Mm -hmm. for articulating that, Leslie. I feel like you put it more succinctly than I did, but that's what I was getting at is that we're obligated for womenhood, for all the women for For womankind. For womankind (laughs) to do this because every time we settle, it it causes men to go out there and not reach and not grow to their fullest potential because they feel as if they don't have to. Mm -hmm. And so we have to take responsibility for accepting the duds 
of the world. <laughs> right. Or, as, or as, as Leslie likes to put it, the frogs of the world. The yeah, frogs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? Because if they, they just... If, the frogs, you know, they just hop off to some other woman, you know, exactly. and be a frog over there. Exactly. If you don't require them to be a prince, they're not going to. They're going to stay a frog and nope. then they're going to be a frog for the next woman and the next woman and the next woman. So you're really doing other women a disservice <laughs> by <laughs> accepting yeah. yes. froggish behavior when you should only be accepting <laughs> prince behavior. behavior. <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. So those were my five that I came up with for the journalist years ago. And then, of course, I am enhanced those and added to them in my book. And then when we were emailing before the episode, just to kind of get our thoughts together, Debbie, you had a couple others that came to mind, which, of course, this one is probably it's up there with, I think, you're too picky, which is why are you still single? Mm. Uh. How in the world is a wonderful, intelligent, fun, beautiful, la, 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 woman like you still single, Debbie? And again, I come back with my prepared answer. I was born this way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's very frustrating when you go out with a group of friends and maybe they have another friend with them that has never met you or whatever. And they say, Oh, well, um, why are you still single? Well, am I not enough just right. being Debbie? Am I not enough just being your friend? Why do I have to be your married friend? It's a mindset that is very mind boggling to me that, yeah it makes some married women uncomfortable when they have single friends in the friend group. And, you know, they'll say stuff like, he's coming, just be patient. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, he who, you know, (laughs) you have this elusive promise that may never materialize, but the underlying message is, you're not enough. You're not on our level because the rest mm-hmm, of us mm-hmm. are married and you're not. And for some reason, for some women, it makes them very uncomfortable when there are single women mixed in the group. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For sure. And it also, I don't know, I have so many thoughts on this as well. I And I don't want to say this because I it, Empowering single women doesn't mean we disparage married women, but let's be honest. Sometimes some women see you staying strong, not settling, and it just reminds them that they did in fact settle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's some of that energy sometimes, Debbie, and I, I don't want to, I really don't want to like focus on that because that's neither here or there. But I know that when I would get some of that energy when I was single, I had to kind of go, I wonder if there's a piece of this because, you know, what people say is always about them, not us. Right. So I wonder if there's a piece of what's coming at me is about them not really loving the fact that they see that it could be done. Mm-hmm. You could actually wait and stay strong and not settle. And they're like, oh, shoot, she did it. And mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I completely agree. It kind of reminds some people that they settled and seeing 
people like Leslie, seeing people like me who refuse to settle and who are living the big, bold, single life takes away all their excuses. There, there mm. are no more excuses when you see us enjoying our lives to the fullest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've written blog posts about this very topic <laughs> and about married women kind of lording their marriedness, you know, over single women. And that a lot of times it does have to do with jealousy and it does have to do with, oh, wow, you know, I settled for this guy. I didn't realize that I could have this great life on my own. And here's my friend or whatever, having this great life. Um and I'm stuck in this marriage. And of course, no one's ever stuck in a marriage, right? You can always get out of it if it's not the right thing, but that's not a super easy thing to do. You know, and especially if you're insecure being on your own or whatever, that might not be something that you want to do. And so, yeah, I yeah, I think that that a lot of times that comes from comes from a real place of jealousy. Yeah. You know, or even not, even if they um, are necessarily unhappy in their relationship or necessarily settled, but just here's a woman who's done something that I never did, that I never tried, that I never believed was possible. And you should be celebrating that woman, right? And if you have a lot of self-confidence, you will be celebrating that woman, but not everyone does. No, not everyone does. I mean, I not think- Not everyone in, does. By and large- I'm, No, no, by and large, no. I remember when I was late 30s and I ran into a guy who I'd been friends with in grad school, which had been at that point like eight years before. And he was now married to the girl he'd been dating in grad school, but we'd been really good friends and it was kind of clear that they were kind of phoning it in. They'd just been together for so long. One of those couple, right. I mean, and you know, he would have a couple drinks and the truth would come out. But (laughs) when we, so he married this woman and he had a couple kids with her and they were together and it seemed like it was lasting and he gushed and gushed and gushed about his kids. That's mostly what he talked about, which is great. It's not, I don't know for sure, but my impression was that the family was working. He was a father. Those were goals he wanted. And I don't know that She was love his life, but whatever. It's not my business. But what he said about me, which I thought was really, it was a nice framing. And I, it stuck with me, obviously, because here I am talking about it years later. He he came out to one of my gigs when I was in a band in Chicago. And he's like, you know what? I gotta say, you seem really happy. (laughs) You know, here I was late thirties. I think he was one of those people. And so guys have this stuff too, that he didn't really see that as a possibility that you could be single. And here I was living my life as a professor, had a great group of friends, living in a fabulous city, in bands, doing my thing. He's like, you seem really happy. I was like, you know, I really am. He's like, I really admire that. You're just living life on your own terms. And that really yes. stuck. Yeah, that when he said yes. that, like, that really stuck with me. I didn't have that phraseology, and I liked it. And I said, mm, "Thanks." So that was very validating. That even in the midst yes. of maybe again his choices, not my choices, but seemed like he'd found happiness to an extent in the choices he made. Mm-hmm. Yet he didn't have that kind of jealousy thing that we've been describing. He was able to go, Karen. You know, good for you. Like you're living life mm-hmm. on your own terms. And I just like the way he put that. That's wonderful. And isn't that the goal for? each and every one of our lives to live it on our own terms. I shouldn't try to live my life on Leslie's terms or on your terms. We have to create our own terms for our own lives. And so that was one of the greatest compliments that I can think of. 
Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved yeah. it. And yeah, obviously it stuck with me all these years later. I have people say that to me too, is that you seem really happy or they'll see photos of me, you know, on social media or wherever you look really happy. And I think, well, because I am really happy. <laughs> and I think, you know, they're saying yeah. it because they're encouraging me and they're saying, oh, wow, you know, I, you know, I'm so happy for you that you look so happy or that you seem so happy. But there's also a little bit of a, oh, how did you do that? You know, (laughs) you're kind of, kind of a, you're (laughs) single. How did you, how did you, there's a little bit of wonderment there, Mm -hmm. I think too. And, and I think probably Mm -hmm. your, your guy friend was the same way. There was a little bit of wonderment of, you know, how did you, how did you achieve this, you know, on your own? And I kind of like that, like, heh. (laughs) <laughs> you know? yeah. 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 I did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so as we wrap up, we've been talking about single bliss, single and amazing, fabulous single existence. And of course, the dating weaves its way through. But both of you women speak to on your platform something I think is very important. And I would love to wrap up with this is that sometimes it's perfectly acceptable, preferable even, and it should be a valid choice, but it very rarely seems to be a valid choice in our space to either A, take a pause from dating or B, step away from dating entirely. So ladies, speak to this. For me, I stepped away from dating kind of unintentionally but intentionally in that I took a break from dating when my children were little and I did not want to introduce them to men. And so I decided as a single mom not to date when my children were little. And I didn't start dating again until my youngest child was 18. And in doing that, during that season of raising my children, I realized I can do well all by myself. I don't need a relationship to make me happy. And so I intentionally did it, but it was kind of unintentional. And I realized that that's not something that I need. I'm not closed off to it if the right person came along, but I see myself happy and whole without a relationship and probably until the end of time. And I like it that way. Yeah. I have to say, I admire you so much because of course, when you're in the space that we're in, I do get a lot of questions from single moms and about introducing some man into their children's lives. And I'm a little bit traumatized because my my first iteration of my profession, I was a therapist for kids in Chicago's South Side in child welfare. So what I was seeing was, of course, just the most painful circumstances you can imagine where kids are being removed from the home because there's drug addiction and there's broken families. And then Oftentimes, mothers allowing a man into that household, maybe he's going to pay a bill, right? 
but the kids are being then abused. They were already mm-hmm. abused at one point because they were moved from the house and then they're getting abused again. So the trauma upon trauma upon trauma. So again, I know that this is not the average situation, but it does happen. And single women, for the reasons that we've talked about today, if they do feel less than, if they do feel incomplete without a man, they may be tempted to bring a man into the house and not vet him appropriately. And then the children are victimized. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And it's appalling. Yeah. And you know what, Dr. Karen, I think it is more prevalent than we know, but some of the cases are not what we would view as horrific. They're just not the right fit. Mm-hmm. And so children are still going through emotional trauma. Yep feeling as if they've been cast to the side for this new man. Mm. You know, the man doesn't necessarily have to be abusive or anything, but it's just not the right fit for the children. And so I always encourage single moms to really search their hearts as to whether this is the best thing for your family, because what's best for you is not always the best decision for the children, knowing that it's not always an abusive situation, mm-hmm. but it, it, it's not always the, the right decision for the children. And so I, I just felt like for my family, I would take the sacrifice on that. Well, yeah, because even if it is a good person that you bring into the kid's life and then they bond with this person for a couple of years and then you guys break up, that's another loss. That's another loss, another trauma. But I would have people say to me, don't you want me to fix you up? It's better to have a man in the home for your children. Well, any old man is better. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I mean, I've had people say that to me numerous times. And so that's where I came up with the T-shirt. I can do well all by myself because I hear people say, oh, you can do bad all by yourself. Yeah, you can do bad by yourself and you can do well by yourself. Amen to Um, that. (laughs) You know, if you parent on purpose with a purpose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's I just think that was a very a, a very loving gesture for your kids to just focus on them and put the dating on pause until it was a time when they were up and out and mature. And then you could focus on dating and give it the attention it needed without having that attention take away from the attention your kids needed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And once I gave dating the attention again, I realized, ah, I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) Which is kind of where Leslie is. Yeah. Yeah. I I came to the same conclusion. So it was a, a very different route. I did not have children, so that wasn't a contributing factor. And my break from dating was very intentional. I chose to take a break because I wanted to get it together for myself. I wanted to get my own life together, and I did. And because of that, I never went back to dating. (laughs) I realized how amazing life could be on my own if I just focused on that. And I was positive about that. And I was working toward creating the best life that I could for myself. I realized how amazing that could be. And then I had no desire to mess with that in any way. And it's been several years now Mm -hmm. and I have never gone back. And so like Debbie, I'm not completely closed off to the fact that somebody could come along someday that would change my mind on that. 
I don't right now see that happening. I don't need it to happen. If I am, you know, the way I am right now for the rest of my life, that's perfectly fine. But anything can happen, right? So I know that it could happen. Um, so yeah, it's not like uh, it's not like I'm I'm banishing that, you know, to the dungeon or whatever. But I just no longer need it. And I think Debbie said the same thing. And I am, you know, living large on my own. So taking a break from dating ended up being the best thing that I have ever done in my entire life. Love it. <laughs> Ditto. Ditto. I, I completely agree with you. And you know, it's so wonderful because prior to meeting you two, I felt like I was a unicorn or something a out pariah. there. Like, yep. <laughs> like I was, yeah, right. Like there was nobody who understood that I just don't have, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. But if it comes along, cool. And so, you know, to meet the two of you and to have like-minded people to really bounce ideas off of and support the mindset of living blissfully single mm -hmm. is just really so refreshing. It's the beauty of social media. Yes. Despite yes. all its that's flaws. That's where we met. But that's, that's right. where we met on the, the gram. On the gram. On the gram. On the gram. Debbie and Leslie, thank you so much for joining me. You two, as Debbie was just saying, like-minded ladies are, it's so empowering and encouraging to be able to powwow with you about this stuff. I'm really thrilled to have you on the program this week. Let the listeners know where to find you to get more Debbie and more Leslie. Well, you can find me on singleandamazing.com and at singleandamazing on all the social media platforms. Look forward to talking with you. And you can find me at lesliekaz.com and on all the social media platforms, Leslie Kaz, Single Girl Bliss. All right. Thanks again, ladies. And yeah, happy Unmarried and Single Americans Week. The love and life hack for this week is girl talk with your besties, laughing about all the asinine things people say to single women is always a good idea, whether it's Singles Week or otherwise. Thanks for listening and joining us today. We hope you had some laughs and felt encouraged and empowered in your single life. Be sure to follow all of us on social media. Reach out whenever you need anything. We are here for you. If you have a question for me, I take them on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. There you can also sign up for my newsletter to be the first to know about all things love and life. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril, and until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abril.